from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. It's a week up Friday, September 22nd, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by LIT, a 501c3 leveraging energy management to equip and empower the local church in the most vulnerable areas. They perform thousands of energy studies at churches, seminaries, and schools across the U.S. with the focus of capturing energy savings and redirecting them to missional partners. According to um, a recent study, the U.S. church tithed $50 billion in 2013, and $10 billion of that was spent on utilities and maintenance of our buildings, wow. yet only $1 billion was spent on missions. Imagine the impact we could make through energy stewardship. We could double, if not triple, missional giving by redirecting our energy spend. Lit's founder, Colby May, is a certified energy manager. He's a missions pastor and an alumnus of Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He leveraged his experience in energy management to impact change and, as a result, started Lit, leveraging energy management and sustainable principles to invest in the local church. You can learn more by visiting their website at lit.church. That's www.lit.church. That's really cool. Man, Every time I think they, they can't possibly come up with another great idea, like all the great ideas are gone. I hear about something like this and I'm like, this is a fantastic idea. How did no one think of this? I love that. $10 billion going to paying the power bills at churches. And if we could be more efficient, we could send more than $1 billion to missions. That's yeah. genius. I love it. It's it what? is genius. Yeah. It's It's lit. Like I said, I'm your host Cameron here with me in our makeshift temporary Orlando studio, better known as my son's playroom, our illustrious producer, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. Eddie uh, Koffeltz is off on assignment this week. More on that in a moment. Uh, joining us from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, on the Skype line from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, guys. And on the road, on tour right now, uh, where are you calling us from, Prop? I am calling you from Sacramento. Sacramento, California. Propaganda is joining us. West, West, because Sacramento so sick. It's Sacramento. Sacramento. It's lit. Um, hey, it's so, so you're lit. in the middle of a tour right now. You're what, seven shows in? Seven shows in, guys. I've been seeing on Instagram, you've been doing all the LA spots, the Troubadour. I mean, how is it oh, playing man. so close to home, man? Dude, one, you can go to your own bed, so that's rad. I saw my kids two times in a row, which is like amazing when you're on tour. And then two, like, yeah, there's just really nothing like home shows. We're full capacity at the uh at the Troubadour, and that's kind of because only thing about hometown shows is there's a million guest lists. Yeah. But sold out chain reaction, which is actually a venue in nineteen ninety nine that I met Ah Thomas in. So it was like mad history there. Yeah, it's nothing like hometown shows. Really, though? I mean, because like I thought in the Bible, it was like a prophet isn't known in his hometown sort of a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I thought it was a thing of like hometown. I don't know. They know you. You've been around. So it's not that special. It is. It, it's a moment. I, it's an event yeah. for you to come I've back. I've been on the local news here several times. 
a couple of years ago, I was walking around with prop in LA. We were just, you know, shopping. We were Fairfax, whatever. And, and, uh, I'm telling you, everywhere we went, like the dude checking us out at the at the store is like, oh man, prop, I can't get a picture, man. I'm so, and I'm like, man, you're a celebrity in L.A. You know, again, oh, yeah. I thought it was that whole like Jesus thing where it's like you're not a, a prophet's not honored in his hometown. It was the opposite, man. Everywhere he went, everybody knew prop. Yeah, I I, ha- I have the problem in my hometown, and it's because of some enterprising local news reporters that have wanted to get a scoop on some neighbor issues that are frankly none of their business and none of the business of the greater Hampton Roads area. Yet they come knocking on my door and like a fool I answer every time and calls a big scene. Usually, The problem is I'm, not, I'm usually not wearing a shirt and I look pretty disheveled. So uh, I mean it's it's happened about four times in the last year, and uh, you know, I see the news van. I need to get on a lookout for these news vans because oh it's, it's ruined my reputation around town. I mean, the dispute, the disputes I'm in with the city and the neighbors are between yeah. me and the city. Right. And it's, to me, it's not newsworthy. It's not newsworthy. I mean, sh- sure, you know, small fires, these, uh, you know, makeshift uh, carnival rides I've constructed. They're interesting. Yes. But I have a journalism degree, and I don't consider it newsworthy. So they've really besmirched my name. You're saying you town. understand what Prop's going through, where the hometown thing is a big deal. Everybody knows you because you're known in Virginia Beach because you're on the news a lot for these investigative reporters knocking on your door. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I mean, I, it's not the kind of notor Prop and I have different kind of notoriety, <laughs> yeah. but I do get I get I get asked to leave restaurants. I don't get pictures with the way it's done. <laughs> I've I've taken to disguises. Yes. Um, That's the only way I can get around in peace. That's smart. Well, (laughs) hey, we have a great show coming up for you. Um, Coming up later, Terry Crews joins us. Uh, He's a star of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes back for their new season next week, so he's joining us today. Um, Also, Derek Webb joins us on the other end of the cultural spectrum. Terry Crews to Derek Webb, I think think it's about as far as you can get. Uh, Derek Webb joins us. Uh, He has a new song, a new single, from a new project that just dropped and uh, he's joining us to, to uh, take us through the five songs that changed his life. I'm looking forward to that. That oh, yeah. I assume they're all Cademan's call songs. I know anything about Derek Webb it's that he really holds, he really clings to those Cademan's call years. <laughs> <laughs> Best years of my life. That's what he tells me every time I see him. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mentioned Eddie's out. Um, he's out for the next couple weeks. Uh, he says he's uh, traveling. I think it's because uh. he hasn't gotten any power back from the <laughs> from the hurricane and he's just he's just hunkered down and he's just given up that's what i think i'm concerned guys i i'm <laughs> concerned too because as listeners know he was on last week and we like to razz each other you know we like to have a good sure. time but yeah. but i will say this when the mics turn off it's all good fun like we are you know we're, we're chit-chatting and so to my knowledge like he doesn't you know he talked about how he didn't have power that it's a lord of the flies situation in his neighborhood so so and yeah, he, like like we amp it up sometimes. We kind of like, especially Eddie. He might go to the extreme. Yeah. He plays up he's some a of his quirks. He's a little dramatic. That's what we're trying to say, right? So you're he's saying all this. I'm saying, hey, I had no problem after the hurricane. Everything's good. And Eddie's bemoaning his his like uh, impoverished existence, basically. Like he's back yeah. to sustenance level existence. And, and 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 Jesse and I thought both like, oh, he's just hamming it up. You know? What yeah, I mean? I'm gonna keep poking the bear. And, and just keep giving a hard time after the podcast record ended recording he took his 
earbuds off and i think he thought he was in the room alone you know but, but i could still i was doing something on mine so just for people get an idea of the setup i uh you know all, all us on skype are on tvs and we're being broadcast into the room but we can also see into the room via webcam so we can see them so yeah. eddie takes after we get in recording Eddie takes his headphones off and he's still sitting close enough to the mic that i can hear him and i am like doing stuff on my end i'm not looking up so he doesn't think i'm I'm still there or listening. And I just hear him take a deep breath and go, Oh, it's time to go back to the pit. <laughs> he literally said that to himself. And by the pit, he means his own sweltering home that hadn't had power in a week. And he literally said it to himself to like psych himself up, to get up off the couch in Cameron's comfortable AC home and drive back to what he's referred to as the pit. Now, I don't know. I'm assuming he's talking about his home. I'm not, you know, to my knowledge, he could have actually dug a pit in his front yard because it would have been cooler down there. Yeah, yeah it is cooler down there. It'd be like a cave. So maybe he made a pit. <laughs> maybe to that's my where knowledge, he Eddie has been living in a and pit. And for all we know, there's like Mad Max type bandits in his neighborhood <laughs> roaming around. He may, be, he may very well be dead. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he didn't actually tell us he was on vacation this week. We just assumed when he didn't show up. He actually might be dead. Yeah. yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't texted me. He usually does. I have some local news contacts that I, if I let them know there's a man and it's stuck in a pit story happening, I mean, that's big time. That's going to lead the 11 o'clock. So I'm going to let them know Central Florida, man stuck in pit. You guys need to get out there. And he's desperate. He's desperate. Hey, we're all suffering. Things are weird. You know, we're still recording. I, you know, Jesse, you were here this week. Um, you see yeah. our situation. Our uh, our studio is is a, a child's playroom. It's we're all going through a transition this month. Nothing's normal right now. You know. Well, well, l- let me ask this because you know I you know w- I was pretty busy when I you know we had a lot of meetings, a lot of, a lot of things happening. What is the state of the new office? Because when I was coming down, I was expecting no, oh, we'll be we'll be in the studio, but we 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 were you know we were actually recorded some other stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get, you know, I'll tease it. Not too many details, but I expect me in the studio. What's the state of the new office? I, I refer to it as the pit and oh, no. <laughs> it's too soon. I, um, it's very heartbreaking and discouraging what's going on. I don't know, man. We were supposed to be in, uh, we, you know, uh, if anybody follows me on Instagram, we moved out of our offices at the end of August to yeah. move in. You hire movers. They move things from one building to another. Uh, we were then to move into our new studios, which uh, our new offices, which were not done and we have not moved in. So we are homeless and have been working remotely and people come over to my house and work and we're recording out of my kid's playroom. So it's uh, it's a whole thing. I don't know. I, uh, we might be in tomorrow. We might be in in a month. We actually literally have no idea. It's like um, contractors and lawyers and inspectors and everybody's yelling at everybody and it's just very stressful right now. So, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed hanging out at the house with everyone. Uh, I was making myself at, very much at home. Uh, you know, it's true. I took a lot of the stuff out of the refrigerator with me. I flew back to my home. I flew in last night. I was staying at Cameron's house for a couple of days. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, cause he sent out an email. He wants to make everyone feel at home, you know, where yeah. we're getting work done, but we're also in somebody's house and Cameron's been a, a fantastic host. And he said, help yourself to everything in the, to anything in the fridge. So I went and got a, a couple 
grocery bags and load it up. And I appreciate that because uh, the only way to go, know. man. Actually, I I am. It is astonishing. You know, we buy. You know, other people when we're at work buy office supplies and keep our snacks and our drinks stocked and everything. It, you know, we don't have that here. It's up to me. And it is astonishing how much these people consume in a day. I mean, like drinks, coffee creamer, uh, snacks. It is. I mean, literally every day I'm doing more Amazon Prime orders just to keep up with the volume of consumption. You generally only care for one human being. Yeah, that's true. Uh, besides yourself. And he's like a fourth of the size of the rest of us. I know. So, <laughs> Man, it's crazy, yeah, though. Caring for four You put some up there and it's just gone. I mean, I, I, I bought hey. like I restocked yesterday. And then last night it was like my fridge was empty. I'm like, man, yeah. I can't I can't wait for that little boy to be a teenager. You're going to be saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be longing for the days of having the whole staff. Living in your house. <laughs> well, Cameron, I was, you know, I, I took up the invitation. I was consuming liberally. I would I would I would crack up. <laughs> Open a sprite, and be like, oh, you know, I had a sip of this, but I really wanted Dr. Pepper. You know, I'm just going to dump this out of the train. I made a poor decision. And then I, then I start drinking the Dr. Pepper. You're like, you know what? I think I'm going to actually do Sprite. That was a good call. I should go. My God. And then I, I poured that and opened another Sprite. Um, I went through that cycle oh, several Lord. times. Um, but I will say this. Thank you for the generosity. Oh, man. Um, it was just fantastic. I'm ready for all y'all to get out of my house and get into the office. But it's nobody's fault. This is the thing. It's like, I want things to get back to normal, but it's my fault that they're not normal. Like, I need to provide an office for these people. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing the best we can. Hopefully, the show doesn't suffer too much. I do know some much. pit space that's available for you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> just lower people down there with Eddie. <laughs> so other people are just falling in, or people are joining him for the cool uh, subterranean <laughs> temperatures. I was picturing a pulley system, uh, but the most dangerous part about it isn't the makeshift pulleys. It's actually a rabid Eddie down there who's been trapped in the pit uh, and uh, has been slowly losing his mind. So you got to kind of figure for yourself. Down there. Oh, man. All right. Well, moving the show along. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, in Case You Missed It, this week, um, John Gray and Justin Bieber prayed with a rabbi and an Islamic leader during the hurricane relief telecast. Uh, dozens of celebrities joined together for a telecast that raised more than $44 million for the victims of Hurricane Harvey last week. Among them, among them was Bieber and Lakewood Church Associate Pastor John Gray. While on camera with Rabbi Ari Lucas and Jihad Turk, uh, the Director of Religious Affairs at the Islamic Center of Southern California, Bieber turned to Gray and asked him to pray. Here's John Gray's prayer. God, we the faith community come asking for wisdom, discernment, and compassion as we walk alongside those who have lost so much, loved ones, homes, businesses, and hope. Cause us to be the hands and feet of compassion to all who are in need, no matter their background. And in a time of great division in our nation, may we lay down our differences and pick up our common humanity for the sole purpose of serving our fellow man until hearts are healed and lives restored. And though we don't yet understand the purpose of the storms, we know you will guide us through the storms. So we close this prayer not with an amen, but with a praise rooted in an eternal hope. Hallelujah. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool moment. That was such a celebrity-packed uh, telethon. I mean, like, okay, here's my thing. Here's my question about these telethons, right? Yeah. Uh, answering the phones was like Tom Hanks. It was, you know, Bieber, John Gray, but also like George Clooney and, uh, you know. Wait, are you saying every, John Gray and George Clooney are on the same level? 
I'm saying if I'm calling, if yeah. I'm calling in, what are the odds of me getting routed to a phone to talk to like George Clooney? And does he answer, hello, this is George Clooney? I guess my question is this. They have all those phone, they have the phone banks right. full of celebrities. You, you know, what, and, and this was everyone was on this special. I don't know if you guys watched, like Beyonce was on there. What are the odds that I'm getting redirected to a celebrity? Are they even plugged in? Do you guys know the answer to this? Of course they're plugged in. I watched, there was a Seinfeld about this, about the NPR, or the the telethon that that Jerry was doing stand-up for, remember? The celebrities definitely answer the phones. I, uh, I... Can you imagine if you called in just to donate and then Beyonce is the one who answered the phone? That would be <laughs> yeah. no, no, I can't. I think, knowing my luck, I feel I feel just so confident that I would get some like YouTube star PewDiePie <laughs> who I'd never heard of before. And I'm like, what? How come I would get Beyonce? What? Like, what are the with that many celebrities there? I'm getting a C-lister tops. So I'm getting somebody who had like a stint on Thirty Rock ten years ago, and he's like, hey, guess what? You got Bob Gray and who? Bob Gray, man. <laughs> All right, here's my five dollars. Thanks. Dude, I wonder if they. I, I wonder if there's a pre-screen. I wonder if there's a pre-screen about like, hey, uh, how much you plan on giving? And they're, you're like a thousand dollars. They're like, uh, that's a B list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. you just get yeah. like, you get an extra on the Simpsons. It's like, wait, this person's animated. Like, how are you? Five K up, you get Beyonce and Clooney level. Uh, yeah. One thousand to five thousand, you're getting a B list. That would be phenomenal if you call and it's like a poo or like Millhouse. Like you get like an animated person. That would be fun. Yeah. If I call and they're like, he's like, hey, it's Millhouse. I'd be like, oh my gosh, Here, <laughs> clean my account out. This is rad. I'm talking to Millhouse. Hi, this is D- Dustin Diamond, TV Screech. How can I take your donation? <laughs> nah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, Never mind. I'm gonna, this is a pass. I, you know, I haven't changed a heart on this one. I'll, 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 I'll donate to a church down there or something. I was going to be a part of this, but yeah, I'm gonna, Dustin Diamond shouldn't be I'm on gonna the I'm going to go ahead and donate here. to Irma because yeah. this Harvey one, I got jipped. Yeah. In case you missed it this week, Woody Harrelson read from the Bible at a killer's concert, now a little behind the scenes, uh, when we were doing the rundown of the show, which Jesse put together, um, all the clips, yeah, Chandler was saying, I got the clips together. I was like, what are they? And he's like, I got the bleachers clip and the killers clip. And I was like, Jesse. And I said, okay, okay. Time out. Time out. Let me just defend myself for a moment because this one, I said, Cameron, it's got a Bible read. And we'll just pick a random. So we kept the killers one because the Bible reading the bleachers one is just because Jesse's a fan. That's why that (laughs) I'm a fan of bleachers, but it was a collaboration with Carly Ray Jepsen and Lord. And it was fantastic. I literally looked at him. He was trying to sell me on it because of Carly Ray Jepsen and Lord and bleachers. And I looked at him and was like, it's not 2011. Come on. So we nixed that one. Carly Ray. Are are current and it, they're both queens. They're queens. I'm here for. I'm excited. I'm. I would. I would not be on this show right now if I didn't know there was some Carly Rae coming up hey. to, to make it worth my while. There isn't. First of all, I talked to Carly Rae. I, ca- I called in on the telethon. Carly Rae answered. We had a spat, and she's banned from the show. I'm sorry, Tyler. Hey, Cameron. If you if you don't want a dated pop culture <laughs> reference. I don't know if you've, there was something I added this morning to the, in case you miss a rundown that's down there that's dated, it. but super it. interesting. And I don't apologize for I it. Saw I'm it. keeping that one. I saw it. At least it's not bleachers. So a performance in London opened with a dramatic moment this week when um, Woody Harrelson stood at a microphone and read a slightly modified version of Matthew 9, 10 through 12. I, I assume it's from the message, which is what I call 
the message, the slightly modified version. Um, yeah. Harrelson <laughs> is famously an atheist who once called the Bible, quote, just a document to control people. Um, which is what I call our employee manual here at Relevant. Uh, Killers frontman Brandon (laughs) Flowers is a uh, devout Mormon. Uh, The scripture reading open for the song The Calling and is off their upcoming album Wonderful, Wonderful. As you might expect, it too contains a lot of religious references. Here's a clip. As Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and senators came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and senators? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole Need not a physician. There you go. Man, that Killers album so great. I mean, <laughs> you know what? You know how I, I would describe it. It's wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> two adjectives. Two well adjectives. <laughs> hey, in case you missed it this week, uh, Hillsong United performed a concert at a Tennessee women's penitentiary. Uh, the tour for their latest album, Wonder, has taken a bit of an unconventional route. Uh, in addition to planned concert stops, they've invited their fans to petition for shows in their cities at their weddings or even stopping at multiple prisons to play for the inmates there. Most recently, the band went to the West Tennessee State Penitentiary and worshipped with the inmates there. Um Hillsong United singer Taya Smith wrote, you left the room different, maybe a little lighter waving. And we waved right back. It's humbling to think God can use anything, a smile, a wave, a look that says, I see you, even a bunch of Australians in Memphis. That's super cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how common that is. I mean, I know, you know, obviously Johnny Cash famously did it, but how often do, are there concerts at prisons? I mean, I think it's an incredible thing, but it's, I, I, I don't think I can think of one other time other than the Johnny Cash one. But I, even beyond that, just like watching them on Instagram and stuff as they've been on the road, it really is happening where they're like, well, they got a couple of days between this big arena city and this big arena city. And so they'll just like randomly show up at little tiny coffee shops or they'll randomly show up at somebody's birthday party. (laughs) And like, it's just like, it's crazy. It's been really cool to watch. Yeah. It's neat. Um, in case you missed it, this is crazy. This is crazy. (laughs) I mean, I'm not kidding. This is crazy. (laughs) This is crazy. And this is why I want to include it. I know it's dated, but I was like, this is fascinating. It's not dated. This is just nuts. Snoop Dogg is working on a gospel album and a reality show about his faith. The Christian TV channel, The Impact Network, has announced that it will air a reality show starring the iconic rapper as he sets out to record the album. The network's home to shows like from evangelists like T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar and Rod Parsley and Joyce Meyer and all the others. Uh, in a statement, they explained, see Snoop Dogg on his journey as a husband, father, and community caretaker. Go inside the album as he reveals his source of inspiration. Here's, I thought I knew what his source of inspiration was. You know, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's written extensively about it. Yeah. Here's Snoop's personal testimony and stories of God's grace through his many trials and tribulations. Uh, the album may include collaborations with Mary Mary and Fred Hammond. Um, what you may not know is that Snoop's mother is is an evangelist and in, in a recent she is yeah in a recent instagram post he shared a text message exchange with her uh the, when he informed her that he would be making a gospel album and thanking her for quote showing me how to live and to spread the word her reply to 
him that he showed was praise the Lord. You're very welcome. The more you share with others, the more you'll reap more benefits, the more the Lord will enlarge your territory and bless you. Indeed. I'm so grateful to the Lord for you and how God is moving you in the direction to bless his people through the word of God. What better way through you doing a gospel album? This is crazy. She didn't put this is crazy. crazy. That was me saying this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I can, I can attest. I've heard her preach. Oh, really? Yes. Does she like, is she billed as like Snoop Dogg's mom? Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 (laughs) yeah. So you start off with an, as the novelty of it. And then you're just like, oh yeah, she's like a, she's like a preacher. I will say this. I, when Tyler and I were, were talking earlier this morning and I, I told him, you know, we were talking about this Snoop Dogg thing. Tyler's response is please, please, please get him in the magazine and on the podcast. That would be a, that would be my career. Yeah. I think if we did, Tyler would retire after that. I would retire. I would would dig a big pit. Turn, turn in the keys. He would dig a big pit in his backyard and just (laughs) settle in and just ride it out. So I will say this. I will be contacting the impact network, uh, today and see what I can do because this is, I need to know more about this like the, 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 what, what they've given us so far is interesting but I need but much more is this like DMX finding God back in like O2 like this is crazy that he's like like doing a gospel album I just can't wrap my head around this with culture like Chance the Rapper and some of those it's almost cool to be going oh, gospel you know what I mean he's following yeah, Chance so. I, I don't know but, but here but here's the other thing that's interesting to me about Sno- Snoop Dogg and, and why I think why I think the concept of reality show is interesting because he I want to know where the persona ends and where the real dude begins because he is a family man like he's super involved with you know he has a kid that plays I think college football now but he's like and he he coaches little league football yeah uh, Yeah, dude I was watching hard knocks on HBO Uh, they did the Tampa Bay Bucks this year their rookie on the Tampa Bay Bucks their star first round rookie uh, his first coach with Snoop Dogg and they keep in touch. And so like while dude was at camp yeah. and he was struggling at training camp for his NFL debut, he's FaceTiming with coach Snoop, uncle Snoop and Snoop's <laughs> on hard knocks, like encouraging him and like helping him, you know, stay the course and stuff. Well, and that's why I think this is different than like the, the DMX thing where, where, you know, at the time, and, and this isn't anything, I'm not trying to besmirch the name of DMX, but he had some like tabloid drama and it, it seemed like more of a novelty and, to a degree, part of why this is interesting is because of the novelty aspect. I mean, it was frankly, it was jailhouse religion. I mean, it was like he he got yeah. in trouble and he went to jail and then he like came out like I found God and I'm going to serve the Lord. And then when he got out of jail, that kind of ended. And then he kind of he every few years, he kind of comes in back and forth. And I mean, he's, yeah. he's pretty troubled, to be honest with you. It's not, you know, it's nothing to joke about. But I mean, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, that was like one of those things. It's not unusual for people to kind of hit bottom and then find God. What's unusual about this is like Snoop isn't really hitting bottom. I mean, right. so it's just, yeah, the question is, is this a legitimate <laughs> thing or is this honestly like a trend? Because like Chance the Rapper made Jesus cool. Chance did a yeah. collaboration with Fred Hammond, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like literally that was one of yeah. his biggest yeah. songs. Yeah. Well, hey, with Kanye, I mean, Kirk Franklin opens Kanye's album. Right. You know, yeah, obviously yeah. There, yeah, there's Kanye, a trend yeah. there, Kanye but it started isn't, this. It isn't. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, Kanye yeah, started it sure. and Chance was part of even the Kanye part of it. And right. then, you know, it just, just kind of went it, from there. Took it further, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, that's well, pretty cool, though. No Snoop.
Uh, I'm going to go put that on the office playlist, some early Snoop stuff, just to, you know, it's Christian music. <laughs> Gin and juice. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gin and juice is now point. Christian music. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's good. Lifeway, Lifeway is rolling it out. So, uh, In case you missed it, uh, lastly, uh, a Chance the Rapper and Donald Glover collaboration is probably happening. There's been rumors uh, that they were going to do a mixtape together pretty much since the two of them uh, burst onto the national scene. But I mean, like, there's like pictures where they hanging out and everything. So everybody's speculating that they're working on something. Um, but aside from a few live appearances together and the occasional single collaboration um, under the Childish Gambino thing, which he's now retired. Um, there hasn't been much more to it than just rumors. But after um, uh, Donald Glover became the first black person to win an Emmy for directing a comedy, he put some real weight to the rumor, saying it was probably going to happen. He said, um, I feel like if I don't make a Chance the Rapper mixtape, a double mixtape, a bunch of 14-year-olds are going to kick my beep. Uh, they stop me on the street and it scares me. It kind of scares me. Um, Donald Glover is increasingly busy these days, though. He's playing young Lando and Ron Howard's Han Solo movie. Uh, he's playing Simba and John Favreau's Lion King movie. And he's writing, directing and producing the new season of Atlanta. So I don't know when it will happen, but right. man, I... I love it that his motivation for this collaboration, which I think would be, uh, you know, super fun to listen to, is uh, physical intimidations of assault by teenagers on the street. Yes. Like, <laughs> the, the, he's getting bullied into this. Yeah. So, so listen up, kids. If you want something, bully other people to get your way. That's yeah. bully grownups. Yeah. Violent approach them on the street. <laughs> Threaten people get all on your the friends street. Together. <laughs> One fourteen-year-old not going to do it, but five fourteen-year-olds right. threatening me? Yeah, I probably, I probably make something. Yeah. Numbers. I get it. As someone who has a twelve-year-old at home, so I'm I'm smack dab in the middle school world. Yeah, they have zero understanding of their consequences in the future. So I could see a fourteen-year-old being like, "I am going to punch you." You don't make this mixtape because they can't see four minutes into the future. <laughs> I love it. All right, well that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to you two versus Kygo. The song is "You're the Best Thing About Me." It's a remix. Um, it's a little cheesy, but you know it's peppy. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Saint Vincent with the song "Los Angeles," not Los Angeles, Los Angeles, because uh, all the Botox, all the Botox down there. Yeah, that's good. All right, that's good. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, recently the winners of a very prestigious award were announced. It's called the Ig. Nobel Prize ceremony. Uh, and the purpose of this is to recognize the most eccentric, absurd, and funny research that actually spurs people interest into science, technology, medicine, and math. But it's not the, it, it's basically like the weirdest experiments that people have put an insane amount of time and money into solving. Uh, it, they're published in the, uh, uh, a research journal about improbable research and the winners receive uh, $10 trillion in cash prizes from no. Zambian currency. Oh, Zambian currency. From what I understand, the inflation rate in Zambia is pretty high, yeah. so it's I'm not worth very much, like but four, it's $10 trillion. Billion. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. the entire national debt. That's crazy. That's, that's how much yeah. we owe so, as a nation. 
So the winners of this uh, made a lot of money in Zambia, $10 trillion. Uh, so one of the winners uh, was a study on the case of spilling, uh, a study on the on the coffee spilling face phenomenon in the low impulse regime. Basically, someone, <laughs> someone wanted to study why physically when you walk and hold a coffee mug, it always spills out, even though the answer seems pretty obvious. And what he wanted to do was figure out ways to solve this problem using, using science. Uh, so he, he started working uh, on it at UVA. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, they weren't overly interested. Thankfully, a journal by the Far Eastern Federal University in Russia published his paper. So it actually got published. He had to scour the world to find someone interested in his research. Uh, but hey, guys, he's figured out a couple solutions. Uh, after, after years of research, he recommends that the best way not to spill your coffee. <laughs> I just love first off that he was so dedicated to this was to, uh, hold it in the hand claw posture. So put your hand on top of the coffee mug. That will reduce spillage. He also says that his other groundbreaking discovery from this is that if you walk backwards, the coffee doesn't spill at all. What? Like you're at way better balance. <laughs> what? Because you have better balance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's try. So what you need to do, and this is a, a basic science experiment, fill a mug of coffee, walk forward, and then notice how much spills, and then walk backwards and virtually none spills. So he was able to determine this. Walking back Backwards with a hot cup of coffee in your hands introduces a whole nother uh, set of problems, but this is science here. So some of the other uh, winners was an economics professor who wanted to determine that if problem, <laughs> how much more uh, would problem gamblers wager if they were holding a live crocodile while at a slot machine? So uh, they did great. all these tests, and it turns out that if you're holding a live crocodile, you're going to make much more reckless bets. Because your your body misinterprets the excitement that you have from holding the alligator and makes you want to gamble more. What? Another, yeah, oh, exactly. Hey. Another researcher I wanted to find out that. if uh, there was, he wanted to try. So people that suffer from like sleep apnea, um, you know, they have to wear those masks at night. He wanted to figure out another solution to help people. And he wanted to know if playing the didgeridoo, the Australian, <laughs> I do a great didgeridoo. Oh, the, what is it? I don't know what does it sound like that. again? It's pretty good, right? Yeah, that was not a didgeridoo. That was literally me. Anyway, so if people play a didgeridoo daily, if they play a didgeridoo daily, they can actually cure sleep apnea. Some of the other interesting... See, the great thing is, like, if you've just been curious about something, that's what this is. Like, if you have a question pop into your mind, this is encouraging you to actually do scientific research. So, for example, can identical twins tell themselves apart in images, right? Do you, a scientist thought, well, that's something interesting to study. Guess what? They cannot. Really? Many cannot tell themselves apart in wow. images. Because they, their DNA is identical, but they, like usually in how they their persona and different things, you can tell who's who in real life. But a picture... You can't tell those Not mannerisms and stuff. I know a lot of twins, and after you hang with them long enough, you're like, y'all don't even look alike well, to me. Well, but, but, they, but according to science, they can't even tell themselves apart in images. Here's another one. A scientist was interested in why old men have such big ears. 
uh, and they thought, well, this yeah, is something you know I can Why do. is that? Like, I've noticed that. Like, all the evangelists a... have enormous ears. Well, hey, thank you for asking, uh, because, the, I mean, this won somebody 10 trillion Zambian dollars, this research. Uh, they measured... They, 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 okay, in order to do this, this was a decades-long study. <laughs> or or uh, 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 people over the course of different ages. 200 uh, people they, discuss, they, they, they studied, and it found that at the age of 30, men start, their ears start to grow at about two millimeters per decade. Uh, but that doesn't happen in women. So the reason why old men, basically the older you get, your ears just keep on growing. So your body seems to say, stays the same side. But at the age of, of 30, so when your body starts kind of slowing down its growth, the ears just keep on growing in men. That's why old men have such uh But your big body ears. doesn't stay the same size because after the age of like 21 or so, you lose 1% of your muscle mass per year. So oh, like wow. you're shrinking. So, so the ears are getting even okay. bigger no, at that I'm point. sorry, not muscle mass, your bone density. That's what it is. Your bone density, your skeletal, your, your skeleton shrinks as you age by 1% yeah. a year. So yeah, you so your body and your skeleton are getting smaller. Your ears are getting bigger. Now, that's just not a good combination. Yeah, yeah, what explains thank, the really long, gross uh, ear hair that happens? Oh, oh, it wasn't in the ear hair, but they said it's another visual thing, too. The ears actually appear bigger as you get older because your hair starts thinning. So there's a lot of things going into why old men have such big-looking ears. That's crazy. I, I yeah. mean, I used to notice, like, as a kid, that, like, like evangelists all had really mm. large ears, and I didn't yeah. understand why. Well, there you I go. just thought it was an evolutionary trait. They just like, <laughs> listen so much to other people. And they, no, they listen yeah, to the Holy Spirit. The Over time, that they stretch, that muscle stretches, and they they grow in their wisdom to gain more wisdom. Their ears have to get there to consume it all. It's, yeah, yeah. I I just appreciate this because the real Nobel Prize. Sure, they're honoring people who figure out complex economic <laughs> issues that uh, plague society. They're curing diseases. They're bringing peace to regions of the world that suffer decades of violence, but. No one's interested in old men ears. There's no incentive. There's no incentive for people so to figure out how to carry a coffee without spilling it on themselves. You know, right. there's no one asking the questions about how holding a crocodile modifies human behavior. This is a recognition for the work we want to know, but we're too afraid or just too lazy to ask. Thankfully, yeah. there are a bunch of weird, weird scientists out there who spend a lot of time and, and a lot of money to do this, and uh, we get to make jokes about about it, but I'm glad it exists because anything that I'm curious about, it's like, hey, maybe I can pose this to a scientist and he'll actually do the research for me. A lot of money's on the line here, especially if the Zambia turns around in the next decade. Yeah, the exchange rate is actually one to 10 with the Zambian dollar. One US oh, dollar wow. to 10. So it's still a lot of money. No, no, I, I, I that can't be right. That, that's I'm, not, I'm, that's I'm, not I right. I just looked it up. That's not right. Oh, oh, Zimbabwean. Yeah, Zimbabwean. that's Zambian. Oh, you, oh it's not You're saying Zamb Zambian. Or maybe wow. I just no no he was saying Zambian he meant to say Zimbabwe oh, okay. and even our thing of like yeah. a loaf of bread is four billion dollars it's Zimbabwe ah yeah, yeah. so yeah Jesse yeah, you were saying yeah. Zambian yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know how I don't know how anyone informed about international issues could mix up the name of an African country let me go on record to say that uh, that can happen to anyone even if you're the president of the United States so who's up now? Oh, well you right. know who's the who, who are we to judge. But I would say that like there is some real truth in in the idea of as a as someone who like worked in education, my wife researches education, like to th to think 
like deep enough, even though they're quirky, but like it's a good scientific practice to be to find that question and figure out how to research it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's actually a good way to think rather than saying, uh, what are we supposed to research? You know, because I remember my science project as a kid was like, which oil slows down my Hot Wheels wheel? Because I Mm. just wasn't really that curious about because when you framed it as like this is a science project rather than um just encouraging curiosity you know what i'm saying like so i think it's like that's kind of cool that they have this like quirky because it encourages you to be curious you know i like the idea that there's a couple of scientists sitting there they they finished one of their big projects they didn't know what to do next and they're just sitting there and like bob looks at dave and it's like why are your ears so stinking big <laughs> yeah see? and the light bulb goes on and then Absolutely. we got it yeah. we got it this is the next one. Okay, what do you have, Tyler? Okay, well, uh, my my slice is kind of a, it's something that was unearthed recently that I stumbled across that that uh, kind of shook me to my core. Are any of you guys? I don't know if any of you guys are. In, are any of you guys? Do you consider yourselves fans of board games? What's apparently known as the tabletop community. This is all new. This is all new to me. Whoa. There's like a I'm scene. Just, oh, it's a scene. I have there's a scene. I have friends who get together on like a Saturday, right? And they're they're playing these games. They're like board games, right? But the setup and just the, the to read the rules and to set up the game is well over an hour and a half. No, like it takes forever. Yeah. And it's like everyone gets like like their own little galaxy thing. And and the game could take days itself. But the 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 world of like high end complex board games is super legit and super enthusiastic. In fact, when we were at uh, South by Southwest um, in in the video game uh, expo, they had a whole area like cornered off to have these competitive game tournaments because they take hours and hours. It's a legit thing. Like people are heavy in this. I know. Yeah, I know a list like celebrity rappers who get on the bus and legitimately break out a Monopoly board and yeah. talk <laughs> trash and like and screaming and yelling like it's dominoes. And I'm like trying to figure out how this became a thing. It's because they were all former drug dealers. So they're all like, oh, it just <laughs> it just scratches that itch again. It's like you yeah, little, own the block. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, y'all are terrible. But I, you guys hit on just you hit on the 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 problem. My problem with the reason I don't play board games, the reason a lot of people don't is the time commitment. Uh, especially yes. for something like Monopoly, where the setup, you're looking at, what, 30 minutes to 45 minutes right there just to get everybody all their tokens and dollar bills or whatever. How slow then, are you setting up a Monopoly board? <laughs> have you ever played Monopoly? It takes, no, it takes, it takes a lot. You have to, to do <laughs> math, like quantum <laughs> mechanics to it make takes, sure everybody it, has the right number of dollar bills. Th- it's called just thing. counting out $500 per per. I don't know. I think well, I think well, it takes a long you time. You don't care, Chandler. You're just like... Or, Cameron, we don't care. So we're like, here's a hundred bucks. Here's hundred bucks. We don't care. If you into it, fam? I watch these dudes fight over the original <laughs> breakdown. It's like, no, 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 son, no, son. You supposed to get like, yo, yo, y'all, y'all know this ain't real money, right? You guys know that. You guys know this is. You guys know it's not the, real money. The reason it takes me forever to set up is because the money's all mixed up at the end of every game. Because I wad it up and I throw it in the face of my opponent after I win, and I'm like, this is nothing to me, and I just launch it right in his face. So it's a, it's quite a bit of cleanup. It's but anyway, about reorganizing the stacks. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I bring this up is because there was a a board game uh, that a very limited quantity were made back in 1979, and it was unearthed, and it's sort of a holy grail amongst the again the, the tabletop community evidently it was created by a guy named richard berg uh the box if you get the box in the rule book it includes 1600 pieces 
a few dozen charts to tabulate damage because it's a it's a risk type uh, war campaign board game. The, the, you get a 10 foot long map to go along with it. You'll need 10 players total, five Axis and five allies who lord over a specialized division. The frontline and air commanders issue orders to troops in battle. The rear logistics commanders ferry supplies to combat areas. And lastly, a commander in chief will be responsible for all the macro strategic decisions over the course of the conflict. It will take you about 1500 hours to complete a full Wait. game of the campaign for North Africa. Do do they pay Wait. you? I mean, that's a job. That does not sound fun at all. That's crazy. But it depends on the... I mean, I guess if you're really... In, if you're like the people that Prop's talking about on the bus, like, these guys have 1,500 hours to kill over time, right? If you just if you leave the pieces in place. Yeah, but think about people who will, 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 will come home and, like, binge watch, or people will come out and play video games. For some people, they're like, I'm going to play this cool, you know, war game or whatever. Yeah. I suppose like a video game could people probably play whatever Skyrim for a total of 1500 hours eventually, right? No, think about, okay, so three hours a night, five nights a week would be 15 hours a week. You said 1500 hours? 1500 hours. So that's a hundred weeks. That's two years of you're playing it five days a week and that's all you do for your evenings. And you need the same people, you need the same like group together. How how many episodes of The Wire are there? Uh, Roughly a hundred, maybe? I mean, five seasons, 20 per yeah. season. Yeah, 100. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so right there, I mean, so if you were to watch The Wire one and a half times through, that's 1,500 hours. No, it's 100 episodes at an hour each. That's 100 hours. It'd be watching it 15 times through. <laughs> I think I was doing the Zimbabwe and. Uh, <laughs> either way, either way. When you when you break it down to binge, and so so you're watching The Wire, you're watching Breaking Bad, you get 15 good shows you're binge watching. All I'm saying is I could see how people could do it. That's all. That's all. There's there's the game uh, features a bunch of obscure rules that uh, that are about war during the conquest for North Africa. Uh, every military division has a sheet of paper, and on it you've got a box for every battalion. It'll tell you how many guns you have, and it'll also list the fuel and water. Every game turn, 3% of the fuel evaporates, unless you're the British before a certain date, because they used 50-gallon drums instead of jerry cans. So instead, 7% of their fuel evaporates. And it's it's little rules like that, including what's called the pasta rule or the macaroni rule, because the Italian troops in World War II were outfitted with noodle rations, and in the name of historical dogma, the player responsible for the Italians is required to distribute an extra water ration to their forces so that their pasta may be boiled. Imagine if yep. these very smart people who would be playing this game uh, channeled all of that time and energy toward things that would benefit society. You know, like, like looking solving- at the size of old men's ears. <laughs> Getting the ennoble peace yeah. prize. Yeah, how about how about not encouraging imperialism and the raping of a culture? How about a game not talking about enslaving Africans? How about that? Oh. Yeah, and there's the problematic nature of the entire game, which is that it's about the campaign for North Africa. In the, 19, in the 40 to 43, which is a game, the ramifications of which are still being felt in 2017 across the entire continent. Yeah, yes. this isn't a game. How is this a yeah, game? That's not, that's not fun, guys. We need more black people making board games. <laughs> but what you're, what you're describing is a problematic, historically based war game that's basically the Cones of Dunshire. Like, super yes. complicated. You guys know <laughs> Cones of Dunshire, right? 
No. No, from Parks no from, idea what you're talking about. From Parks oh, and Rec. Oh, it was oh, the oh, game oh, that oh. Ben Wyatt created that oh, was impossibly right. complicated <laughs> and would take <laughs> weeks to complete. But this is the a problematic historical war game equivalent of what Ben Wyatt did with Cones of Dunshire. It's That's about right. the Cones. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, on this, that, this, this recent episode of This American Life when he talked about Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Um, just this idea of like a lot of sci-fi and for some reason inside like sci-fi movies and like magazines and stuff, there's no black people. Um, and one of the points they were trying to make was like, if you consider all of the pain and suffering the African continent has gone through and the fact that we still exist now, most likely after the apocalypse, it's only going to be black people left. So I don't <laughs> understand what future y'all are imagining. Cause I'm like, I, it seems like we have what it takes to endure. Um, so, so just this idea of like, let's have this video game, like conquesting North Africa. I'm like, I don't like this. Black people, we need to start making more, more board games. <laughs> campaign for North America. The sequel. How about a campaign for North America? How about, how about, how about the conquest of like the Aztecs? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I might do one about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, prop, I would play any of these games you're proposing. And I encourage you after this is over to get working on it. Because if you're looking you know for someone to, to test this thing, look no further. I will play with you. All right. What do you have, prop? There's, there's this like underbelly of excellence. And I'm saying this as I flip my hand up arrogantly um, about just the pressures of being you know, just like really good at something. Sometimes, you know, it's it's just hard when, you know, the expectations become very high. I don't know what voice yeah. that is. But um, so there's this restaurant, this French chef. Um, I'm afraid to say his name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, but there, the, there's a, in, the, in the, uh, the rating system of like of French restaurants, um, I think it's called a, how do you say it? Michelin, Michelin? Uh-huh. Michelin, a Michelin star. It's Michelin star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Michelin star. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's like a five star, you know, hotel. Uh, but this is more like when you get. So this guy got like a three star, three Michelin star like rating at his restaurant, which is like, oh my gosh, yeah. like such an honor. That's incredibly like incredibly you know, world class. Yeah, yeah. incredibly rare. Incredibly yeah. world class. Like you're yeah. like this is like the. This is the best. Like people will seek out Michelin star restaurants to say they ate at a Michelin star restaurant, particularly yeah, yeah. a single star. Michelin star is a world class restaurant to get three. There might be like four of those in the entire continent. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like those, incredibly like, rare. Yeah. Two year waiting list to eat here. Like, like right. just crazy, phenomenal, amazing restaurant. You, you work your whole life as a chef to get to this. So this gentleman got there. Sebastian, I'm going to ruin his last name. And he was like, y'all got to take one of these stars back because the pressure is too hard to stay amazing. Wow. Like he wanted like he wanted a downgrade because it's too much work to have three Michelin stars. I love that, man. Like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I because didn't he say something like it was almost this, like taking yeah. the fun out of being a chef that, that because of the recognition. He's taking the like, fun out. He says, so there's, <laughs> there's only 27 restaurants in France that have this, right? Um, yeah, he's like, you're inspected three times a year, uh, so you never know when, and every meal goes out and could be inspected. So that means that every day, one out of the 500 meals that leave the kitchen could be judged. How much pressure is that? Yeah. That like 
Yeah. Any, yeah. I just, I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid when I'd get away with something and my dad would be like, okay, just wait. I knew that at some point in my life, the spanking was coming. I, I mean, you telling me like, like I'm looking around the corner. I'm like picking up socks. I'm checking for dust in the kitchen. I'm just like, I don't. So for those like two weeks, like my life was miserable. I was like, the hammer's gonna. I couldn't imagine that at some point, like you can't put a you can't put a fry out of place. What if this lettuce is a little withered? What if what if you just happen the guy asked for sweet potato, you gave him regular potato? Like, what if any one of these? That's a I I get it. That's a lot yeah. of pressure. Yeah, I, like yeah. you said, you work your you you work for your your whole life or something. When you the, the fact that you know first period for this guy in his profession, you like you work for your whole life or something, and you get it. And then you realize that I, I've created a bar so high that it's taking all the fun out of my passion. I think the, the, the thing is, like, I think that applies to a lot of stuff, you know, not just a Michelin star, yeah, but it, but yeah. it's an interesting, it's an interesting precedent, precedent for him to just be like, no, just take it back. Well, there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Terry Crews joins us. But the struggle got me richer than I ever been Learn to hustle, use your muscle Learn to grind and keep your mind up on the future, man We came out them trenches Government assistance in the beginning Keep them cans for the pennies We saving that grease after dinner Now they counting all my pennies Counting all my figures all up in my business, man Now they watching what I'm spending Wonder what I got and wonder how I get it, man I was balling for I had a dollar Being empty-handed made me stupid rich Rich in loyalty can't pay the lawyer fee But it's all good as squad you're listening to Lecrae. The song is Broke. His new album, uh, Lecrae's new album, drops next week. Just check it out. This week's feature interview is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 17,000 classes in everything from logo design to social media marketing to street photography, all taught by expert practitioners. Whether you're in a rut at work, want to pursue a new passion, or just a lifelong learner, Skillshare is for you. And with Skillshare, you never have to pay per class again because membership includes unlimited access to their entire class catalog for one low monthly price. That's crazy. You can skip the Netflix tonight and join millions of students learning and growing on Skillshare today absolutely free. That's right. Skillshare is offering relevant podcast listeners one free month of unlimited learning. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash relevant and you can finally take... That any class that you've been thinking about yeah. again go to skillshare.com slash relevant to claim your free month a, f- a free month is a really good deal that's a lot of learning that, yeah, that is a lot of learning i mean that's that to me is you know the first tenth of a board game that i'm heavy usually in, so. yeah usually yeah. think of how much better the world would be if you spend a month on skillshare instead of playing settlers of Problem, problematic board <laughs> games yeah Problematic board games. games. Terry Crews is best known for his role on the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which returns this week, as well as being the face for Old Spice and appearing on films, including uh, The Expendables, Idiocracy, Terminator, Salvation, a bunch of others. Wait, 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 wait. What? He's best known for being in Friday. 
Okay, true. That's true. That's okay, true. So that is a good true. point. Touche. Touche. That's true. <laughs> Clearly, Jesse wrote this copy. And he's not up on the Friday catalog. I, re- I remember. Fr- you know how long it's been since I've seen. It's been so long since I've seen Friday. If it was on, I would deli- I would gladly watch it. But it has been a long. T- I didn't know who Terry Crews was when Friday came out. That's actually that's, true. That's Back thing. then, Terry Crews wasn't Terry Crews. But yeah. now when you rewatch Friday, he he has he steals some scenes. Yeah. 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 Um, but despite all the success, uh, Terry Crews's career and his personal life were almost derailed by issues that he hid from his friends and family. Uh, We recently spoke with uh, Terry about his faith, his career, and how he overcame a secret addiction. Uh, The full feature, which is incredible, appears in the new issue of Relevant, which is out now. Uh, Father John Misty's on the cover. Don't miss it. It's an incredible story. And and today on the podcast, we're going to bring you part of that conversation. Here is Terry Crews. So you're on this trajectory, and it, and it almost goes without state, stating. I mean, you, you you continue to get roles. Obviously, you, you go into comedy, um, all the way up to where now you're on really one of the uh, the best shows on TV. I think Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, oh, thank you. Obviously, you. The, the action stuff, the Expendables, and and those kind of things. Uh, but you know, you've also been pretty vocal, both in your your book and then some some videos that are floating around the internet about uh, kind of a crisis you and your wife faced uh, too. That was was not quite a professional crisis, but more of a personal or relational crisis. What 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 happened there, and how did oh, you, yeah. you through that? Let me tell you, man. You know, uh, so that's weird because you, there are times when you think you hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. and what you've done is you actually hit a cliff. You know, you just hit the little ledge. You know, you haven't fallen all the way yet. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Where I had discovered how to, you know, kind of battle the humility, you know, the humble thing and battle the arrogance thing, you know, kind of work wise, I hadn't battled my beliefs. Now, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is wild, because the thing about religion is that the dangerous thing is that it can become a mask that you wear so long that you become it. Now, here I was, you know, a Christian churchgoer, uh, but I had a double life. Um, I was also, uh, you know, addicted to pornography at the same time. I mean, I would, you know, once the internet came out and the whole thing, even before that, I remember going to bookstores, and this kind of thing. And it was like my dirty little secret, you know, it was like the thing that I, I couldn't beat. And what I figured, I just figured everybody's like that. I was like, you know, that pastor or that preacher, they're probably addicted to porn too. Mm. But you just have to say you're sorry and, you know, try to get, you know, try to fight your way through it. You know, white knuckle it. You know what I mean? And, but what happened was I, I discovered that it was because of my belief system. Like I believe because I was a man, that I was more valuable than my own wife and kids. Mm. And, you know, it's a it's a very patriarchal way of thinking where you think women are here for, are just less than you, you know? Mm. And I've heard people even teach that, you know, in, in biblical terms, they'll say, you know, the woman is the weaker vessel and this kind of thing. But those kind of attitudes affect everything. They affect, they infected everything I did and it's weird because you can't get away 
from cause and effect. Sure. And um, even as I had had some success in my career and, and all this stuff, and you know, I had two lives. And I remember my wife like not. You know, and what's so great about women is that they're intuitive, mm-hmm. and they know. And she's like, you know, you're not. Something's wrong. I mean, what is going on with you? You know. And I remember when I my first job in Vancouver, Canada, when I was uh, uh, working on the, the sixth day with Schwarzenegger, I actually went to a massage parlor and and cheated on my wife. Mm. And but I ne- I vowed I would never tell. I vowed I would never say anything. And ten years went by. And my wife was always kind of questioning me, and I was just oh yeah. You know, I was just denying it. I was just lying, but knowing full well what I had done. And it was eating at me, and I knew that I wasn't right. But again, you, you because of the image, you have to withhold that thing, and you have to keep it. And, you know, here I am, successful this, I'm a churchgoer, but I knew I wasn't telling the truth. Mm. And one day... We call it D-Day around our house. Um, my wife just confronted me. I was actually in New York. She was in L.A. And she just said, Terry, what is it I don't know about you? Mm. About eight, seven, eight years ago. And she said, what is it I don't know about you? And I just remember I, I denied. I was like, oh, it's nothing. And then all of a sudden there was this feeling. And again, that same voice. That, that told me, why are you angry at the only person that's ever helped you? The same voice came to me and said, if you don't tell her the truth, I'm done with you. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I knew to, that, was, that was the voice of God in my heart telling me, if you can't, you, if you can't be honest with her right now, then... I'm I'm done Mm. so you can go ahead you can go ahead but you'll be doing everything without me and I knew I wanted that power I wanted God's power in my life I wanted spirituality but I knew it was going to be I was going to be just ice cold after that you know what I mean and I told her and I remember just everything just falling apart you know she was like I'm done with you 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 gotta go I'm through you know don't come home um it's a wrap and I remember like what now and at this point you've been married like 20, I, 20 years or so right oh yeah yeah exactly you see man this is this is what's so crazy is that I I kept this thing up so long and you, it's kind of like juggling plates you know what I mean and you juggle and you juggle and juggle and all of a sudden these plates start breaking and the, the thing is Hollywood doesn't care that you lose your family they just don't care like you you'll still be very successful it's not a they just go okay next it's no, no big deal so you can keep these plates while, you know going but yeah. I knew I knew who I was I knew what I had done mm. and I knew that I wasn't truthful and and that and you know what, that's the hard the hard part is going home and knowing who you are. Yeah, you know it, it doesn't matter what other people think. And let me tell you something: it was the, it was the hardest thing ever. And I remember, um, basically, 
I, I talked to my pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Jim Reeve, and I called him right after I talked to my wife. And he said, he gave me the best advice ever. He said, Terry, you can't do anything to get your wife back. He said, but you have to get better for you. He said, you have to get better for yourself. He said, because you can't try to do it to fix your, to get your wife and do all this stuff because you can't, you can't make those decisions. And I realized he was totally right. And I, and I went to rehab. I went to a rehab in Phoenix. Yeah. And that dealt with a lot of pastors and church people that had got involved in scandals, you know, and different things and kind of had double lives, and all this stuff. And the first thing they told me was to really, because I was like in denial the whole time. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I may be bad, but I ain't that bad. And I found out, yeah, you're that bad, <laughs> you know. Mm, yeah. And I realized that my whole belief system was wrong. Because now, again, when you're when you're in a very strict religious environment, and also you're in, wrapped up in you know, dad's an alcoholic, the whole thing, you learn to be two people. I learned to hide who I was. You know, you you learn to hide your feelings. You learn to just split in two, and 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 what that's just why a lot of times. It, it's, it, it, it really makes no difference when you're talking about whether, you, you know, I've seen where it happens with extreme Muslims or extreme mm -hmm. fundamentalists where yeah. they have double lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they live two different things. Sure. And it has really nothing to do with the religion per se. It's about holding the image and keeping up all pretenses you know what I mean just making sure that no one sees the real you and let me tell you it took it took a while before me and my wife were back on track I mean it was you know a few months later she let me you know we kind of we, we, we agreed to continue but it took years years of therapy years of us you know, really being honest and sharing, and it was a lot of tears, mm. a lot of of heartbreak, but then at the end, joy. That was Terry Crews. Wow! Stay tuned. Up next, Derek Webb joins us to tell us the songs that changed his life. All Cubans call. Two middle kids. The song is Edge of Town. That's where we send all those scofflaws, the middle kids. Derek Webb is a singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee, who sings about the complicated sides of life, faith, and God. 
This week, he released his first new music in five years. The single, The Spirit Bears the Curse. I'll tell you, if I saw some spirit bears, there's definitely a curse of what... Mm-hmm. Trust me. They're all over they're all over Nashville. <laughs> the, the, the spirit bears? I've had a local news story done about me and my work with spirit bears locally. And uh, it was actually one of the only times they painted me in a positive light. So I'm quite an expert. Quite an expert. Ask 10 on your side here the locally. Spirit bears it's, the yeah. curse. Oh my gosh. Now I can't unsee spirit bears. It's supposed to be the spirit bears the curse. Anyway. No, no, it's it. No, you're reading it wrong. I forgot a colon. It's the spirit bears colon. Bears, the, colon curse. the curse. <laughs> the curse. That's the movie. <laughs> wow. I, think, I think he, I think he meant to put a colon in there. That makes a lot more sense. It, it's a prequel to the spirit bears. The movie though, which Derek Webb also wrote. De- yes. Derek Webb. Derek, tell me about your new song, which I can only assume. Is a soundtrack to the movie The Spirit Bears The Curse. I was expecting it to be The Reckoning. It's interesting with the curse. I'm getting off point here. Let's talk about these spirit bears. Were they real bears? Are they dead or are they from like another bear realm? Are they like bear ghosts? Yeah. 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 What I'm trying to say this is were they, are they dead bears? Are we talking about bear ghosts? Are we talking about kind of some kind of weird I think, uh, Jesse, parallel it's dimension about, spirit bears? It's dead bears that have come back to curse people. People who yeah. have a curse put yeah. on their life, they are haunted by ghost bears, the spirit bears. I think yeah. it's like a care bears situation. Yeah, that's instead a, yeah. of love, it's like a bad thing. So you're saying they're little? They're like they're like toy size? But they're angry. It's like 14 year olds who are out there to beat up Donald Glover. You don't want to run into them. <laughs> little gang yeah. of spirit bears yeah, running all, around Nashville. Yeah, yeah all the sudden. All of a sudden, you know, someone, you know, someone's out, you know, enjoying a nice lunch outside, and they they hear, "I want that picnic basket," and it's a spirit bear <laughs> waiting there. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Who's that spirit bear? <laughs> oh man, the curse! <laughs> the curse! Take it! Take it! <laughs> take the curse! No, no, no. You, you know how you know like <laughs> in the first scene in the movie, it's someone warming a fresh baked pie on a windowsill, and they're like, oh the curse is. That's how that's how you know the curse is struck because you're warming the fresh bake, which that was my favorite cartoon trope as a kid. It's like you're just you know when you put a a, a pie on a windowsill, you're you've cool. welcomed yeah. a bear attack. Yeah, like right. you, it, that is a window right. for an interaction with a bear. I want right. to see who, the Spirit who, Bears curse version. Who, of that. who ain't got screens on their window? That was the other thing I wondered about. Like y'all just window just oh what about like the bugs? Y'all just I, I think just they, I think it's up in the north where they make the these these uh, pies. They they don't have the mosquitoes and stuff that we that other areas of the country do because uh, we're not. Okay. There aren't people in Florida cooling pies on their windowsills. You know, nope. I think mm-hmm. it's a northeastern thing. Maybe I don't it know. It used to happen in Nashville. A lot until the spirit bears, and now pff, can't even make a pie anymore. Yeah, yeah, I can't even. I can't even leave a pot of honey out there without a spirit bear getting his head comically, comically getting his head stuck in it. We recently spoke with Derek for our series, "The Songs That Changed My Life," where he tells us the songs that have shaped him as an artist, as a person. I assume it has a lot to do with spirit bears and Cademan's call. Here is. Yeah. Derek Webb. So we raise our voice. We raise Would you come near? Quench our thirst. Lift our heart. As the spirit 
So the first one that I was thinking about is that I remember being, so I grew up listening to um, like a lot of hair metal bands, you know, like not songs that, I mean, you know, all the songs. So, you know what? I am going to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say that the first one, because I'm going to try to go chronologically. I'm going to say that the first one would be probably Run With The Devil by Van Halen off of Van Halen 1. It's the first song on Van Halen 1. And the reason that was life-changing for me is because when I got Van Halen 1, that was essentially the record that I locked myself in my bedroom uh, and learned and on headphones, you know, like that's how I cut my teeth as a guitar player. That was like the first record that I really sat down. Cause I think before I got into like rock music in the eighties, like I, which is when I was in like junior high and stuff, like, um, or, or, or younger elementary and junior high school, like I had been into whatever the big pop music was. So, I mean, I think the first album I ever bought was probably Michael Jackson thriller or maybe the one before but um but i remember buying van halen one and i remember putting my headphones on and you know because i didn't barely go to school i for sure didn't do any schoolwork. i was a real trouble i was a, i was a discipline case but van halen one was like where i sat down and i would and i learned maybe every song on that record and i remember putting that on and hearing that opening of running with the devil and just what was so great about it is it's it's full power Van Halen, but it's among his for being the first song on the first Van Halen album. The the, the lead, the solo part, is unbelievably simple. Like anybody could learn it. Um, the, the like the guitar solo, and he's known for his guitar solos and being so such a virtuoso. And and so the fact that that he went so easy, Van Halen went so easy on me. Like they gave me that opening track. And I could learn, I learned the whole song and I learned it in a couple of hours, you know, and I could play it top to bottom. And it really lit the fuse on my kind of ear training and my realizing that I could sit down with records and I could learn songs. And that wound up being the primary way by which I learned everything I know about music and how to learn music and how to listen to music and pick it out and figure out what chords people are playing. And all that ear training literally started with, with Running With The Devil. The next one that I feel like was a real game changer for me, a real pivot point, would have been probably Secure Yourself off of Indigo Girls' debut album, which I think was a self-titled record. Um, and the reason I would pick that one is is because, um, you know, so first of all, I mean, I'm, I'm in love. I mean, I, the Indigo Girls were the next, for me, the next big step in terms of my musical education. Like, when I heard them, that's when I fell in love with acoustic music, that's when I fell in love with singer-songwriter music, um, and I learned everything I needed to know. So, so Van Halen taught me everything I needed to know until I got out of high school. And then, right around my senior year, 92, 90, 90 91 maybe, is where I found the Indigo Girls, and they taught me pretty much everything else. Because when I heard that first Indigo Girls record that had Closer to Fine on it, and it had all the classics, 
um, and had to cure yourself on it. That's where I was like, oh, you can do this. Like, music can do this. Like, I just didn't even know. For me, it had all been about waiting for that moment as a lead guitar player. I'd only ever been an electric guitar player, a lead guitar player. I didn't sing. I didn't write. I just played lead. I just waited through two choruses and a bridge where I could play my lead. You know, like, that was, like, my whole musical life was waiting for the lead part. And then I heard Indigo Girls, and I was like, oh, like, you can, you can do this, too. And, like, there's a whole other... There's a, 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 a lot of other emotional real estate that I just didn't even know existed that I can get on and I can build things and I can explore things. And so, but specifically Amy Ray, who is kind of the darker, more brooding, you know, kind of huskier voice, you know, in of the, the Indigo Girls spectrum. And she's the one, like, I learned, so where I learned how to, like, all my guitar chops, let's say, learning Van Halen songs, I learned how to sing Trying to Be Amy Ray. Um, and I learned how to play guitar, acoustic guitar, the whole new set of dynamics, emulating Amy Ray. I'm kneeling down with broken prayers, hearts and bones from days of youth. Restless with an angel's wing, I dig a grave to bury you. No feet to fall, you need no ground. Allowed to glide right through the sun, released from circles guarded tight. Now we all are chosen ones. Secure yourself to heaven, hold on tight, the night has come. Fasten up your earthly burdens, you have just begun. And I'm actually, so my next one, I'm actually going to stay on the Indigo Girls because it's, it's a really important next pivot point was on the Indigo Girls record, Rites of Passage. So they get two on my list. Um, on, on Rites of Passage, which was a super important record to me, um, it was maybe three or four records into their discography, there was um, a song by Emily Salyers, who's the other half of the songwriting and singing duo, um, a song called Ghosts. And it's, it's not only one of the most well-crafted songs of any contemporary songwriter I think I've heard ever. Beautiful, just like a jigsaw puzzle, that song. But the thing that wound up being important to me about that song, and I didn't even realize at the time how important it was going to be, and I still refer back to it as important for this reason, was in the way that she so masterfully bridged the gap and brought me into her emotional moment. Like, it, it, the, the, me, the, the depth of the metaphors in that song, like, we could not have been more different. And yet, she's, she's so masterfully crafted that song that, like, we had, we were exactly in the same emotion. She, she brought me to her emotional place, and I understood her. And it made me realize some things about how not different we are. You know, it, it, it gave me something aspirational as a songwriter. It, it made me want to be better, to try ever to do that once in my whole career, um, what she did in that song. Um, not to do it ever consistently, but to ever be able to get to that moment where someone who's so different than me could so deeply understand me and be with me. It, it's really, it was mind-blowing. I 
think so. Another one probably would have been like my favorite run of U2 songs or records were, were their kind of very experimental phase of Octune Baby, Pop, or Zeropa and Pop. Those are my three favorite U2 records. And there's a song, I think it's the last song on the first time. It's the third to last song on Zeropa. The thing that I loved about this is it was at a pivotal point, a pivotal long transition of their, that maybe spanned I don't know, not quite 10 years, but where they were really deconstructing what, you know, Bono famously said was, you know, that these records were the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. Um, It taught me about, these records taught me a lot about deconstruction and about transition and about, about not camping out on a particular sound or moment, but going, moving on, abandoning everything in the pursuit of the future. And, and so I learned so much from it. And I think the thing about the song, The First Time, that I really love is the whole thing comes off like this rich biblical metaphor of, you know, the father giving the keys to the kingdom and, and my father's a rich man and, he, and he, he wears a rich man's cloak. And, you know, and it's like there was, I, I resonated at that time with this biblical metaphor and you think you know where it's going. And then the very last bit, he says, you know, he gave me the keys to his kingdom come and gave me a cup of gold. But essentially, the, the where the lyric winds up is saying, he said, I have many mansions and there are many rooms to see, but I left by the back door and I threw away the key and I threw away the key. It's unresolved. I threw away the key. You just keep saying it. And you, you're like, wait, but you threw away the key? What? I thought this was a story about God or something and about how everything's going to be okay or that you can't, you know, pluck yourself out of his hand and every and." But and, and then the stands up coming back to saying, and for the first time, I feel loved. In the whole story, he seems to be the, the, the brother who stayed behind, the older brother. And he's like almost talking about, you know, um, you know, and then, but then in like, the, the other, you know, he, he gets to a point where he talks about maybe he's the prodigal and you don't really know. And but you're used to the end of that prodigal story where he comes home, and everything's OK. But for him to finish the song saying, I left by the back door and threw away the key. So it was very disruptive for me and I and I and you know and I I loved it. And then I think if I had to wrap it up on one, it would have to be a Kanye song on the record that Kanye and Jay-Z did together. Watch the Throne was one of, was easily the, my, the most important record to my 2011 year. It was one of my absolute favorite all-time records. Yeezus is probably my favorite all-time Kanye record, easily one of my top three ever probably albums. But something about No Church in the Wild, something about the sound of those drums and Frank Ocean's hook and just the sound, like it, I think that from a production standpoint and the sounds that I love and when I go to make records and you know, this was a huge influence on me. Like these, that darkness, that those dark drums, that, that uh, it's, so it's really from more of a production standpoint, even though the lyrics to that hook that Frank Ocean sings are just haunting and like, it's just, it was everything about the way that album made me feel. And I think that that's really probably why I would cite Kanye as a producer at the end of this list is because I feel like what I learned from the Indigo Girls was the craftsmanship and the, and the and what you can do with lyrics and emotion and metaphor and you know and but what I feel like I learned from hip hop 
and a lot from, from Kanye as a producer, more than as an MC. The thing that hip hop really does, in a way that a lot of other music just doesn't, is just not the melodies, not the lyrics, not everything that singer-songwriter music is about, but all the rest, the low end, the rhythm, the feel, the thing that, like, it makes me emotional, like, I, like I'll, I'll sob, I mean, like, at the sound of some of these tracks, because it so emotionally moves me. Watch the throne, and especially No Church in the Wild, and, and again, Why Jesus, and that whole record to me, really, and that opening track on Jesus, um, to taught me a lot, a lot of the rest of what I now feel like is my playbook in terms of the way I want tracks to make people feel, and the way that music, that w when it makes me feel things, hip hop puts the emotions into practice. And that's, 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 that's what I learned from that music. Nothing to do with Spirit Bears or Cademan's call. And I'm very disappointed, Derek <laughs> yeah, Webb. It's very confusing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do a follow-up. I mean, you got to do a follow-up with Derek. Get to the real heart of the matter. Stay tuned. Up next, feedback. Depression, anxiety, insecurity, anger, hopelessness. You may face these thoughts during the day, and at times they may seem to come over you like waves of the sea, overwhelming you to the point that you feel like you're drowning in their noise. But there's hope. God does not want your life to be this way. In the master's mind, Lance Han explains that when you lose your identity in Christ, you become unanchored in life, tossed about by the sea of information and negative thoughts without any solid ground to stand upon. But God wants to strengthen your mind, enable you to overcome the noise and negativity, and experience peace, joy, and hope in Christ. Go to LanceHan.com to learn more about the Master's Mind. That's L-A-N-C-E-H-A-H-N.com. Listening to Halado Negro. The song is Come Be Me. Come Be Me. Proud of you for that. Kind of handled that Spanish kind of okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of okay. That was kind of impressive. There's a, there's a, there's a three-star Michelin review of Cameron's Spanish. Uh, you know, I'm in Florida. I don't know. There you go. Uh, well, before we get into the feedback segment, um, this is when we do our corrections and apologies. And in, in honor of Eddie, who is usually the cause of most of our cause, our need for corrections and apologies. In honor of Eddie, uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about um, the, the hole that he probably dug, and that's why he's not here for the next couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, and, and, you know, we just went through a hurricane here in Florida and I don't want anybody to think that we're not aware of the actual human toll yes. that is, is happening around the world right now with yeah. all these natural disasters. I mean, we, while we were joking about Eddie and obviously he's fine, um, we are mindful that there are a lot of people who are not, uh, both in, uh, Houston still and South Florida, uh, dealing with issues, but especially what's happening in the Caribbean right now in Puerto yeah. Rico, uh, what the images Mexico. we've seen this week Mexico, are unbelievable. Yeah. yeah Mexico city. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, again, it's all jokes and we're just, you know, teasing our buddy here, but I just didn't want anybody whose family is affected and, and who's, who are praying and thinking and even working and helping, uh, those who've been affected by those emergencies that we take it lightly. I mean, it was just, it was jokes about Eddie, not about natural disasters. So, um, I just want to be clear about that. There you go. All right. It's time for your feedback. Uh, so last week on the show, we got talking about brands uh, that were getting a reboot. I forget which ones came up. Um, uh, we talked it? about Old Spice, actually. That's Old uh, we Spice. Were, yeah, we yeah. got talking about Old Spice. How Old Spice actually used to not be cool. It was like kind of like the, the lame drugstore uh, uh, brand that became gift packs that you got your dad on Father's Day. And, uh, and then with Terry Crews and all the other stuff that they've done and hired the right... Uh, ad agency all of a sudden they totally changed the company and the perception of the product so we thought totally. what other what other uh products were primed for a old spice-esque rebrand and reboot and how would you do it you guys hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast you also posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com Here's a few of our favorites. And Brian on Twitter, <laughs> Brian Case said, "These well, we, the, he ranked them lame to awesome. And uh, he also wants to note that uh, these actually still exist and they actually all have websites. So lame to awesome. Jinko, Von Dutch. Jinko jeans? Jinko, Jinko, Jinko jeans. jeans still exist? Yes. It does. They tried to do a reboot the other day. And they make the same kind of jeans. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Von Dutch, which I'm very curious about who's buying Von Dutch gear. Uh, <laughs> what's Dayglow? Do you guys know Dayglow? Uh-uh. I'll have Day-Glo. to Google it. But, but evidently, that's on the awesome spectrum. And finally, uh, still exists. That could use a reboot. And honestly, it would not shock me if these came back into fashion. I feel like we're almost there with like joggers is Zubaz pants. Zubaz. Yeah, I could see them coming back for sure. Yeah. Ironically at first and then mm-hmm. and then it hits Urban Outfitters and then it goes wide. <laughs> yeah. If, if Zubaz isn't working on a major rebrand for 2018, then then they need to hire somebody new. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I kind of like the idea. <laughs> Sam Tuppy on the website had a bunch of ideas, and but I think his best one is H&M should invest in a l- large amount of question mark signs. Yes. From there, they can rebrand themselves as, hmm? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leaving unsuspecting passers-by no choice but to wonder what's inside. It's simple business. You don't you walk by it. Hmm? Mm. I'm like, well, I got to go in now. I can't just... I'm going to be laying awake at night. Later, I'm going to... Was it that store? What was that? was the question, and the answer was right there, and I let it pass me by. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Eric Odom says that the Cheesecake Factory basically should really lean into uh, the factory element of their name and should become semi-automated and require union dues <laughs> to completely embrace, embrace the factory moniker. So it's like you're going to work in a factory. I'm seeing like a conveyor belt situation, like... With like levers and gears, like in an old time cartoon show, and just cheesecakes, and then it like dumps stuff out of the ceiling <laughs> for the toppings on it. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Go check them out. There's uh, 
a lot of a lot of brands like these reboot. I saw people talking about British Knights and you know basic uh, kangaroos, all the all the oh, yeah. stuff from our childhoods. You know, um, go chime in on the uh, the website. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, uh, I mean, it's obvious. In slices, Jesse brought the news that there is the Ig Nobel Awards, which honor uh, scientists who have spent literal scientific pursuit answering very seemingly odd questions. Uh, we yeah. want to know what other trivial things do you think scientists should tackle next? What questions do we need answered? Like why do old men have big ears? Yes. I want to know why I always lose socks. I think that's fair. I think everyone's been there. It's, it, <laughs> I know how many went into the wash. I know how it was transferred into the dryer. I do not know where it disappeared to. You're supposed to load the laundry machine or the washing machine backwards. You're supposed to walk backwards <laughs> as you carry the socks. And ah, the trick. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what the scientific inquiry. <laughs> right. I've also never figured out defrost on the car. Is a windows down? Is it a windows up situation? Am I blasting it? Heat, air? I don't know. It never seems <laughs> to work. Is it cold air? Is it hot air? I I, it never works. It. I'm always like, I don't know. It's it's, it's fogging. It's defogging here, but it's fogging up. It's, it's, it's a hazard. <laughs> Scientists need to... Because here's the thing. I don't think anyone actually knows. I think there's vents that's pointed towards the windshield on a foggy day. And they, they're just kind of like, you know, science really hadn't, hadn't really figured this out. So just kind of like start blasting in different temperatures, windows up, when whatever combination clears the windshield, it works. Science needs to get on this because it's been it's been really perplexing to me for a long time now, and it's caused several <laughs> car accidents, which I've fled the scene from. Um, so please, science, get on this one. There you go. There's there's a lot of questions. That's what we're saying is there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. So we want to know which ones you think scientists should tackle next. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You can also post your scientific pursuits uh, on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to this week's sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember to find out more about the work of Lit. You can go to litlit.church uh, to find out more about that organization. I, I still think that's such a cool it's such a cool thing that they're uh, pursuing. Also, thanks to Skillshare. Remember, Skillshare is giving relevant podcast listeners a month of unlimited access absolutely free. Go to skillshare.com slash relevant to redeem your free month now. Thanks to our guests for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Terry Cruz, you can follow him on Twitter at Terry Cruz. Uh, remember, Brooklyn Nine-Nine returns this week. Don't miss it. It's a great show. Uh, and also thanks to Derek Webb for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Derek Webb and follow the pursuit as he runs away from all the spirit bears that have cursed his neighborhood. Yes. It's um, it's very dramatic to follow him on social media. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's quite a documentary he's working on. <laughs> the spirit bears calling the curse. <laughs> Couldn't believe he got some of the footage. Literally unbelievable. Tonight. Risking life so. in the... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually an allegory for the backstory of Cademan's call. I don't know if you knew that. Um, That's actually how you get a spirit bear to you is you make a Cademan call. Yeah. I mean, and, and, it's, and, and, and I'm not talking, he's not talking metaphorically. The band was literally haunted by spirit bears. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an incredible story. It was named after the famous cry, of course, of the spirit bear, which is a Cademan call. It's, oh, it's very, yeah. it's very yeah. distinct. Oh, That's how you get one. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Call. They're still dealing with 
the haunting. Yeah, um, it's Stop. quite something. <laughs> we shouldn't be making light of it. It's very serious. It's very sad. Oh, it's a it's a terrible situation. I mean, one of those guys. I mean, can't go anywhere without a spirit bear just kind of creepily popping up, and you know, it's it, it's all uncovered in the in the curse, the documentary. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil so. anything. It doesn't end well. I'll tell you this is not a happy ending. I'll say this: it's not a happy ending. So nope. it's a real downer. Hey, the new issue of Relevant featuring Father John Misty, Terry Crews, and, and a whole lot more is out now. It is on the front row of the magazine section at every Barnes & Noble across the country, plus other newsstands. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, also check it out online. You can view it there. And we have a great subscription offer going on right now. If you want to uh, get it mailed to your house, check it all out at relevantmagazine.com. Th- this is a good time, too, because we're working on... E- I don't want to give too much away about the next issue, but uh, it's a lot of good stuff. My favorite, of, my favorite exciting. thing about about working with Jesse is when he's involved in the magazine. He gets really excited because uh, the issue he's working on is the best issue yet, and I love that because it, it is your next one is it has to be your best one, right? That's right. I mean, always. Yeah. And uh, and 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 I love that as the issues come together. Jesse's literally like, dude, this is like the best one we've ever done. Like legitimately, he's not like blowing smoke. And that's how he feels about this one. The one that we yeah. have out was the best one we've ever done. And now Jesse's chomping on the bit to tell you about the next one because it's yeah. the best I one we've ever done. I can't say anything yet, but yeah. just wait. Trust me on this one. I, give me the Michelin star. I ain't giving it back. Sorry, chef. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that, that note, we're wrapping up. I'm Cameron String. I'm Chandler String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I am Propaganda. All right. We'll see you guys next week. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe in los angeles the waves they never break they build and build until you don't have no escape But how can I leave? I just follow my hood to the sea Go to sleep How can anybody have you? How can anybody have you? It's pretty good, right?